Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Failure Friday, where we talk to friends, family, clients, and sometimes really dope strangers about how failure has shaped them professionally, personally, how it's made them a better version of themselves. And we come here to learn from those experiences because social media is all about small waist, fat butts, pretty smiles, and editing. I'm guilty of it too, but the value comes from the real relatable human experience. And that is exactly what the brand that you have started is all about. I feel it when I go on your page. So we have Sabrina Sohar and her mother, Helen. Helen is your last name also, Zohar? Yes. She's a it special does. guest. She was, <laughs> <laughs> Sabrina was like, oh, I'm gonna talk about my mom. And I was like, oh, is she there? And she was like, yeah. So now her mom, as of two minutes ago, is on this podcast as well. So Sabrina is the founder of Software, which is super soft clothes, produced sustainably and ethically, and 100% made here in America, America. She's also a dog mom. I found that from stalking her social media. Oh gosh, why'd you make that face? Yeah, he passed away a couple weeks ago. Shit! <laughs> I know, I should have prepped. We are just um... on a fucking <laughs> roll, aren't we? I was a dog mom though for You're 10 still years. a dog mom. Yeah, he's with me forever. I just don't oh physically have the body. Oh my God, I cannot okay. believe. I was complaining about back pain when I first got on and she was like, oh my God, I know, I had scoliosis. And I was like, Weston, my, my tech guy's here. Weston, I just, I looked at our social media because she only told me like, just say I'm the founder of software. So I looked at our social media, I was like, there's more about her than just this business. She has a bunch of pictures of her dog. So I called her dog mom and her dog passed away two weeks ago. Oh. Fuck. I have to edit that part out. Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, <laughs> but I do love your page, both your personal and professional. It feels like home. It feels authentic, uh, relatable. You don't get that a lot with clothing brands. I'm a huge fan of athleisure. Um, so I, I can't wait to actually order something. But I feel and like I from the most down to earth people, go ahead, what happened? No, I was gonna say, I think I sent you a set, girl. I think I'm going to- I did not a, get a set. Or it will, it will be, it will be there by the end of this week, we'll say that. All right. It's <laughs> good to know. I'm excited about that. But I feel that the most humble people and down to earth people are because they've been humbled. They've brought been brought back down to earth, so. I'm super excited for you to kind of lay out how you got here. And I remember you saying your mom was a big part of that. So how the fuck did you get here, Sabrina? Other That's than a great fucking question. Yeah, other than Helen. All right, I'll give, yeah, I can actually give like my experience and then I'll, since Helen's here, I can let her give her firsthand experience of how that affected her as well. Um, so I moved to New York when I was 19 um, to become an actor, which was, <laughs> lol, that didn't happen. Um, but I went to acting school, I learned a lot. You know, <laughs> that's the story of my fucking life. Um, 27 dresses. But I thought that was like the path for me and then I, I quickly realized it wasn't. And so I went to fashion school and started working in the fashion industry and Dolce Vita was my first like real job um, working as like the manager and the buyer of the store and things like that. And that's where I was like, wait a minute, I could do this as an industry. Like I could do this as a career. And I fell in love with sales, which in hindsight, 
that was naive of me because I fucking hate doing that right now. But at the time I thought it was super cool. Like I love doing wholesale and being in market and making the connections. I'm really connection driven. And so that's always been what's driven me even through the business is creating a community and creating people that come together for commonality. And so I think in fashion, you can do that in a bit more of an authentic way as opposed to like just a followy sheep Vogue type way. And that's kind of what I always wanted. And so when I started there, I was working for multiple different companies um, in my like five or six years of working in sales prior to starting software. And that is really where it started to come very obvious that like there is a hole in the market and there's a fucking problem with the way things that are done in the industry. And it was like, it started with my first job where the guy was super misogynistic. And I'll never forget when I told him I felt stifled because he didn't give me the, um, the tools that I needed. He told me my job. Uh, I told him, it was just, I was like, you know, you want me to get into sales, but I have no line sheet. I don't have a lookbook. Like I don't have the materials that I need to do my job effectively as a showroom manager of the East coast and scale the business. And his response to me was you're hired to push paper. Nobody asked you for your ideas. If you have a problem with that, you know, where the door is. And the next day he had an escort walk me out, uh, after I crushed an appointment because he said that they didn't hire me for my ideas. And I was like, cool. So that was like the first of like, this is fucked up shit. Um, How long and then ago I went to Zach. So I feel like that would like you could get him in so much trouble today. I wish I was 2014, 2014 or 2015. Not that, not that long. Um, not that long. That's what scares me. And like they're still around. Um, and then the next job I had was the showroom that um, I was at, and it was like super high end, really designer. And that's talk about the devil versus Prada. Like that is very much a real thing. Um, there's just. They don't care about you. They don't give a shit about your fucking well-being. They don't care about how you're doing. They don't, they literally don't care. They could watch you. They can just walk right over you and sorry that you felt any pain from that. And that was when mom got sick. And so while I was in that, at that showroom, I was miserable. I had like broken, I had cystic acne all over my face. I had been working like no joke about like 18 hour days, seven days a week. I was in market for three months. I killed it. I went over budget. Like I, I crushed it. I went 5 million over the books that we were supposed to hit. Like I had done such a great job. And when I asked for a day off, um, they told me that I would have to pay them for it and give them like, I would have to work an extra day just to get a day off. And I remember calling my mom, like losing it. And it was our, it was market 2017. And at that time I was looking for another job in the active industry because in 2016, I kind of changed my entire life. Like I quit smoking cigarettes. Um, I quit my anti-anxiety and antidepressants. I went paleo and I started working out and I lost like 30 pounds within like three months because you I was just die I, doing all of that. You're telling I, I kind of did like part of me did die. And I like resurfaced. Like you're not supposed to do that all at one time. Y'all like that was, she's a freak of like, yeah. she's an outlier. Like, it was one of those like, like now yeah I wouldn't suggest anybody do that now but at the time I was like you know what fuck it I broke up with my boyfriend at the time and I was like time for a detox oh and God. I did I did um and but in that time was when I realized like I loved the fitness industry I loved health and wellness I loved the authentic version of what it meant that you could become a better version of yourself if you take care of yourself in a different way and that is when in that time, I was just looking for another job. By no means did I think any of this that happened would happen. And that's when my mom called me um, and said, like, I, I'll never forget. She said, I have a headache and she was walking on the ocean. Mom's very spiritual. And she was like the ocean yelling at me. And I remember I was like, all right, mom, like it's all in your head. I don't know what that means. And I was right because literally, literally it was in her head because she went to the doctor and they found six brain aneurysms that corroded the top half of her vessel and two, what is it, mom? Uh, I had dissection of the carotid arteries, both sides. Yeah. So that complicated being able to do to, to go in and embolize 
the rest of the of, of, of the uh, aneurysms. Because so the bottom line was since we can't go in, we're going to have to open up, and it's brain surgery at its yeah. at its worst. Um, but luckily, you know, my my daughter was there for me, and uh, she said to me, "You can do it." And a very simple thing, blood thinners. He said, try it. What do we have to lose? Well, let's also preface, even before that conversation happened, like my job told me it was job abandonment if I went home. So I told him to fuck off and I walked yes. out. And the worst part was they knew her really well and like they loved her. Um, but they said, you don't, she doesn't need surgery yet. So why are you running home? Welcome to the fashion industry. And then when we went to the doctor, are you frozen or is that just, okay, no, 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 I'm just, just yeah. shocked. <laughs> so then when we went Sorry, to the doctor, no, more. please. Oh, no, I was like, I just want to make sure I'm talking. This is um, and so then when we went to her doctor, they like at first we thought it was one aneurysm. Then we're like, okay, they'll coil it and call it a day. And I remember it was like, again, this was like, I lost my job. I went to Florida. That's where my mom lives. That's where I'm from and stayed there for like two months. And we went to her. She had a specialist that was like the top neurosurgeon in the country. And we have like five or six iPhones, like all just all these phones laid out with the entire family all over the country. And the doctor was like, yeah, so I've consulted with like 10 specialists in the US. None of us have ever seen this case before. We've never experienced anything like this. We're giving her a three to 5% chance of even surviving this. And we're anticipating paralysis, neck down, blindness or death. And not um, just from the, it, it wasn't just the aneurysm started to intrude. It was because of the complications of what was going on for the carotid arteries. Yeah. So. How, given us death um, how <laughs> soon after you finding out did you have to get brain surgery and was this the type of brain surgery where you had to be awake? Well, good question. Uh, because the fact that it, it, at the end, when we were in consultation with the doctor and he had said, you know, we can try one thing. Let's do the blood thinners. We'll go aggressively with the blood thinners and hope that it will thin out and be dissection enough for me to go in it's called an angiogram, so you go in through the groin and all the way up to the brain. If he's able to go in, then he can coil the the, uh, the aneurysms. But if he's not, because he's afraid because of the dissection, that it may go to the brain and I'll have a stroke. So I tried it for a few months, and then I did another angiogram, which would, would show if there was any effect. He said to me, I still can't go in. And we tried several, several times. Then finally he said to me, the only thing I could suggest is you stay awake. And it's scary. It's a very scary thing. Good surgery. Of, well, yes, because you know, when, when you go for any other kind of surgery, the harder any other part of the body, literally when you're awake and something is in your brain, there's nowhere to go. I mean, you, you, you kind of see inwards what's going on. You literally are seeing inwards. Uh, I was scared, but I said, so said wait, I talk, about, talk about that for what that means for a second. T seeing sure. inward. So the, the re I might get emotional when you're talking about this because one of my favorite clients had brain surgery and I remember his wife sent me a video of his surgery and he was awake and it was, it just blew my mind that that was even humanly possible. Oh, yeah. It was way yeah. too yeah. much. It crossed the boundary of client sure. professional it's, relationship. It's a very, I can't it, imagine. Well, yeah, but it does. It's it's definitely something that you need that a person needs to do. I mean, I fought it for a while, and they tried several times to go in by putting me to sleep. But what happens is that when they are, they're afraid to go in because they they don't see how you're responding. You need to be awake to see to respond to them, so they can they can proceed to go inside. Um, 
you know, if that is, if it, I, I've, people have asked me, how does that feel? And I've always said, if that's how it feels when you're on a psychedelic high or whatever, I don't know what if, I don't know what the 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 the, 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 the joy of that is because it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Try it. I mean, you yes. try it. <laughs> I try to report back. Trust yeah. me. Trust. That'd be great. Trust me. This is this is a whole different level. A whole different level. I believe me, you. But the thing is, I'll tell you, it pulls you in such a way that you want to let go and let it just be. And it kind of feel like I felt that if I did let go in that way that I wouldn't come back. And I'm not being dramatic about it. That's how I felt. Now, maybe someone who is more, you know, more care, you know, more daring than I probably would have. There are some people who, if you ask them their experience with this, they'll say, hey, it was really cool. But what was really cool is the equipment that you actually see. It's like a sci-fi movie. If I tell you that the room was from, from, from end to end, these large, large, large screens where my brain was spread throughout all those. And that's what they were going in throughout the whole time you hear. You could see what they were doing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Did they you have a choice? Well, so the first she went into, we all went, we had what, three times where they kept saying we were gonna try again. So the whole family came together and we had the waiting at the hospital for like fucking 20 hours. And we go, and the doctor would come out, we got some great images. And we're like, what does that mean? Because they were scared that if they went up, if they, if he went up that the dissections were gonna break off and she would die immediately from a stroke. So it was like, well, fuck. So that's when the brain thinner, the blood thinners came into play. So when this final surgery happened, ironically, he was like, this is our last time before we go in and break the skull. The problem is when you crack the skull, you're talking months and months and months of recovery, if you even can recover again, because it's so invasive, it's your fucking brain. And so the what they do is when they're even doing the surgery, he's, he's using gloves because it's robotics. You have to be so still because it's so sensitive. One false slip, he was telling us the way that the, there's the veins here and then here and what they all do he's like literally by like half a not even so minute if you even slip the human hand you could fuck up everything she could have lost everything so everything is through he has like gloves that he puts his hands in and it's all robotics so they have to be so precise and still that that's the only way and of course i was not i was not there for it she didn't want because the siblings the whole family it's a heavy dynamic we have a lot of shit going on through us all she just wanted my nephew so my sister and my nephew went down and we were literally just waiting by the phones being like i remember facetiming her and i was like this is either gonna go really well or this is the last time i'm ever gonna see her like no one knew what was gonna happen and then after her surgery my sister sent us a photo of her in the bed like that and was like she was a fucking champ they did it they create the doctor is a brilliant man he created a coil it worked on her and yeah i mean you do have to have the luck of having a good neurosurgeon i mean there's no doubt about it you know it, there, there's so many components when you go to a doctor and you have that you have a situation it, luck of course plays a great deal but the the the, the credibility of the, of, of the surgeon and his wanting to find a solution yeah. and not just look inside look outside the box and do what needs to be done was was really paramount. I mean, he, he I don't believe in luck. It. I believe in skill and um, God, like that. Well, yes. Um, I mean, the skill. You're absolutely right. He had the skill, and yeah, and I believe in God as well. Absolutely. But that comes. I kind of. It kind of comes all together. You know, the to have had the blessing to have found the right doctor, and have him be you know proactive in a way. Because a lot of doctors go in and. 
they kind of give you the very kind of basics and say, well, that, that's all I know, that's all I can do. And a lot of people fall through that, you know? So I was quite blessed. Yeah, this doctor, he's rad. Like, he'll t if you text him, he'll text you back. Like, he wanted, he even said, like, I want to figure this out. He got pleasure at figuring these really hard cases out. So she was like a joy for him because they had 10, I think he said he consulted with 12 specialists across the country. And he's like, no one's ever seen this before because of the way that her aneurysms were connected to, normally you have like a blood vessel and then you have a neck and then you have the aneurysm so that you can coil it and then it kills it. Hers, of course, were like completely deformed Hers, and connected to the vessel. So there was nothing they could do besides the doctors like, we got to shut the entire vessel down. And that's where that risk came in of blind paralysis. He was like, neck down, you could be a vegetable. Like, we don't know. But I'll say this to all the ladies, when a guy tells you he's busy, call bullshit. The doctor was able to call, answer the phone for his wife when she called during surgery to make sure she was okay and that the kids didn't need anything. It's true, it's true. It's How? True. I, I, I How? I was on the table. I would be fucking livid. I'd be like, she can wait, heat up a pizza. <laughs> you, have to, you have to relish at this because you know, I hear the phone ringing and I, and I said, the phone is ringing and I, oh, hi, honey. I'm losing it. <laughs> has, his, has his conversation, but never lost a minute of what he was doing. He was able to, you know, he was able to do, he's a renaissance man. He was able to he's, do it all. He's a brilliant, like when you speak to him, like this guy was at the, from 5 a.m. until midnight and he just was super casual. Like you need to be like that, a slight bit detached because, you know, you're dealing with something very touchy. But yeah, I mean. We didn't know, we didn't know. I think though the entire way, like I remember we watched The Secret and I remember the one thing I took from The Secret because when they told her about the blood thinners, you know, mom was, her reaction was like, this isn't gonna work. Like they don't think it's gonna work, what's gonna happen? We watched The Secret and I remember they were saying like, you don't need to worry about how it's going to happen. You just need to know it's gonna happen. And this was such an, like the talk about the epitome of that. And then we manifested that. Like mom just, at that point, she just kept being like, I'm fine. We literally didn't allow those thoughts in our head of what if or anything. Nah, she was fine. We kind of just pretended as if none of this existed Denial. and she was just going to go in. Kind of, kind of, in a healthy way to not feed and fester in like, oh, that's it. She's going to die in a month. Well, I mean, it's by letting go of what you can't control, obviously. You know, it's not basically, it's not denial because I, I knew what, what was coming, but I kind of had to let go of God and, and, and say, I can only do so much. I'll take the blood thinners, I'll listen to that and I'll, I'll go that route. Um, and, you know, and it was time to go. And I told my, my, my son-in-law, let's go rock and roll on this one and let's do it. And it's funny because I, it, it, I, I kind of take humor in times of, of, of stress. And I think I probably was at my best in my jokes at that moment when, when they were prepping me. Seriously. I find you humor in very dark places as well. You it got, doesn't go over it. great all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, will say, I have offended it. a lot of people but i have two questions how paramount was your family your surrounding i guess not everyone had to be a family but you're surrounding your 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 tribe and your faith in those moments like how 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 much do you attribute your success from this experience to the people around you and your belief system it's, it's comprehensive you can't do it alone obviously not um uh, I had tremendous love and support from my children, from my sisters, and from friends. And the fact that that everybody took it as, of course you can do it, had that attitude. I said, you know what? If everybody thinks so, then why not? You know that kind of a thing. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't an attitude of doom and gloom and crying and oh my god. It was like you've got to do what you need to do and uh, keeping strong. 
I mean, they told me how they felt afterwards, but then I just said, well, if they're not worried, why should I? And, uh, you know, a positive attitude and a strength really does go a long way. Because when everybody around you is in good spirits and trying, you got you to give it to them. You got to do it for yourself as well. So in terms it of- It sounds my, like they all showed up for you pretty hardcore. Oh yes, oh yes. She also couldn't be alone. Like there we, because the doctor made it clear, like we didn't know how long she'd been living with these aneurysms. Like there's no way really to tell. And he was like, so if she's alone and she has a stroke, you have an hour to get her from the house to the hospital to live. He's like, I, I can't tell you how many people die from that where they have a stroke or anything happens and that's, they, they couldn't get there. So we were like, I came to Florida for three months and I left my friends, I had really amazing friends. I had some savings and I was like, fuck it. I just left, they left my, I left my dog and my apartment with them and stayed with her there and i think i came back for like three or four days and i went back and we would take turns like my aunt would stay with her and then i would stay with her and then my sister would come down like we were all very much a collective team because like it's just in those moments you, you have to you don't really think yeah. about it you just band together that was and... my second question that was yeah. my second question because it sounds like everyone gave everything so that you could have the strength the support you needed to get to the other side of this in a healthy way to give you but in the reality is, and I'm sorry if this is touchy, I'm not trying to no, not at all. come off abrasive, but what did this take from you? So like, if this is the example that this, this, this is what propelled you were coming out. You were, there was a lot of downward spiral, then this happened. It wasn't like this caused the downward spiral. You were already just kind of like perpendicular, this happened. It sounds like from what you're saying, you quit the job or no. did this happen? You quit smoking cigarettes and then this happened. So like, what did this take from you and how did this develop into the next step? Honestly, I think like it was good. It took for me like the old naive child that I was and like propelled me into becoming a fucking adult. Because like, I remember when we were at the hospital, my sister, because we've had like, you know, listen, I've, I've my sister and brother. It's like, we have sibling dynamics that are always gonna, you know, we, we, we all have our shit. And my sister laid it out on me, all the shit that I was doing that she didn't like about me and all of these things. I was so, I had no self-awareness. I wasn't in therapy. I wasn't trying to help myself. I didn't understand half of my traumas and child, all this shit that culminated into being the person that I was. And so when I quit the smoking and things, that was very surface. That was just the like, okay, this is the basic health stuff. Then my mom getting sick, it was like, oh, that's a nice kick in the fucking groin for me to feel like, oh shit, like you almost just lost somebody super important to you. And then it kind of coming together where all the family was there together and seeing the dynamics and losing my job and pretty much like I hit rock bottom. And then I decided to dig further and then I went a little further. And that was like, I think the first, when I really hit the lowest point of my life and I'm so grateful for it because it took a part of me that needed to go. I needed to grow the fuck up. I needed to become a woman and being a business owner through the last now five years since this happened has continued to perpetuate that cycle where every day I'm challenged and I'm put to the test and as far to the fucking level and the heat that I could possibly take. And you have to practice not boiling over and not tipping over. But every time something like this happens, like even when my dog passed away, like, yeah, a piece of me died, but that's okay. Like now it's time to rebuild and it's almost like you shed the skin and you let go of that naive version of you that you had. And now it's time to step into like a more powerful version of yourself or you let it take over and you play victim and you just say, oh, woe is me. And like, that's how you fall into drugs or whatever. Like you can choose your own way that and path that you want to take. And for me, I chose it as, all right, what else you got? 
like if this is just going to be like another clink onto my armor it's like then let's fucking go it's funny how it's not funny that's the wrong word that's the absolute <laughs> wrong word but it's it's what just the next best thing so i everyone has their trauma and like everyone has like a general bowl of trauma and then they have like the ultimate trauma that is like that's dark that makes them a a genuinely better person. And I feel like for my trauma, mine was being in a really physically abusive relationship when I was in college. When you get to that rock bottom, obviously it's hard when you're there. And like you said, there's always a little farther you can go. But I feel yeah. like once you really hit that rock bottom, you can't go back there. No. It's like a scab develops. And then the next time something bad happens, you'll fall. But then like, like I came back from that shit. Right. Like everything bad that happens is less bad. Yeah, I mean, like, similarly, like, after my mom, like, I thought that was the worst. It was like, oh, no, then I had a business partner I started the business with, and that went to fucking shit, and I had to buy him out, and he didn't pay our taxes, and you're like, more. oh, Jesus, there's always more. And then it was like, I was with some, I was married to somebody, and he was super verbally abusive, and, like, it just a fucking total narcissist. And then when I, I remember when she came to town, because I was like, I can't, I can't get through this when we broke up. I was like, that's it, I'm done. Now... Now and then, and then my dog passing, who was my best friend of 10 years, who like was literally my everything. He was the pinnacle of joy for me every day. Now when shit happens, you're like, ah, fuck off. You don't even, you don't even let yourself get to that low point because it's like, like you said, if I can get over that, like if I have, like I've been dating somebody new, everything's going great, lovely. But like for all the fuck boys prior, after all that shit happened, I was like, eh, please. I've, I've gone through so much worse. Like you are like a, a blip on my fucking screen. I'm going to forget your name in a week. And like right before our call, I got the text apology from one. I didn't even remember his name. Because like you just, <laughs> who fucking cares anymore? It's like you have such bigger fish to fry. I think so many people, we focus on you micro. You go right into it and it's like, or macro that shit and realize how much stronger you are as a person than you give yourself credit for. Because 99.9% .9 of the time, that rock bottom place that you're so scared to hit is actually not that scary. Once you get there, you're like, oh, like even my dog, I was in denial for years. I was like, he's never gonna die. We're gonna mummify him, he's never gonna die. That's it, I'm, I'm gonna be with him forever. And I was like, that's it, he's gonna live with me. And then when he, he passed of kidney failure and like, yeah, I cry every day, I feel it going through, but I'm like, oh, okay. It wasn't as scary that moment as I thought it was. Just like I think everything else in the world, I think the anticipatory anxiety is significantly worse than the actual fucking thing. Well, you don't Absolutely. really grow without pain. Pain is no. part of life. And if you embrace pain as part of life, then you can mature with it and grow. Well, and you can help. With, with all of your pain, this is how I look at it. All of your pain is so, it's the most valuable part of us as a, as, of creatures. It's the most mm -hmm. valuable thing that we can experience. Love is great too, but I don't yeah. think you learn near as much from love as you do from failure and from pain. I mean, Oh, yeah. I, I was just talking to my husband. It was funny when you said that. And the reason I laughed so hard is because I married the nice guy, the guy I was never yeah. attracted to, ever. And <laughs> now I get that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I married him. And then, like, when we get in really bad fights, or if he does fuck up because he's, he's a human being, I like have to pretend to be mad at him. I'm like, I'm just, I need a moment. And I like go in the bathroom. I'm just like dying laughing. I'm like, this is fucking nothing. Like, nothing. 
because you grow through what you go through and it's like how many people i think then it's like that's even like such a cultural thing in dating and whatever even business ownership everybody we're such a generation that like googles everything before we do everything because we want that we want to know we want to know that what's gonna you don't go to a restaurant without looking up the menu first because you don't want to go and get blindsided so i think there's so much preventative measures of well i don't want to get hurt and especially in dating how many times i see that where you're like you know, you have to fucking date someone to, to get into a six month or right. You know, you have to, to have a relationship. You're going to have to go through pain. And I think people are so adverse to it that when it happens, it's this whole tire meltdown where it's like, yo, dude, you're a lot stronger than you think. You just need to, you need to believe in yourself a little bit more. We could and talk like, about that for hours. Oh. We could talk about that for hours. Whenever people, like I have a lot of single friends or divorced friends and they'll be dating, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I love this one. So, or this one's the one that I'm, I think I could marry again. I'm like, did you guys have your first argument yet? I'm like, no, yeah. we don't, we never fight. I'm like, then you don't, you can't be serious. You cannot be serious with someone until you have your first bad argument. Cause yeah, shit needs to happen. To, it needs to happen. You need to see how they handle anger. I mean, yeah. And you too. Everyone else, everyone yeah. brings different personalities, different auras, bring out different versions of yourself. Totally. I mean, even like before the guy that apologized today, I was supposed to be on Shark Tank this summer. Adam. And... <laughs> yeah, this guy, I don't even fucking remember this guy's name. That's how fucking terrible it is. Um, but I was supposed to be on Shark Tank and I, we had gone on a couple, we had gone on a date. Everything was great. And I had a, I mean, I had literally been canceled nine o'clock at night. The next morning I was supposed to be aired on Shark Tank. Like I was supposed to go on. I was like, and this was the second time they had done it to me. I was fucking gutted. And they were like, sorry, that's it. You're done for the season. We'll, t- we'll try you again next year. And I remember telling him and his response was ignoring me for nine hours and then saying, sorry to hear that. And it was just like, that's when you realize like, you don't have the capacity to even be there for me. And then the apology today was proved that. Whereas the, the guy that I'm dating now, he's a nice guy, same thing. And when we've been through my dog passing, his father passing, like it's been two months and we've been through so much condensed, so many conversations, but we've grown through it. And now we're understanding like, oh, right, we can communicate through this and we can have, again, I don't know if it's gonna fucking last forever. That'd be nice. And if no, not, that's with cool. The nice guy. Sick yeah, the nice guy. guy. We're here. We're we're. I am. I'm here. You'll for learn it. to love him. You'll yeah, learn to love him. But like, it's just you start. It's like you let go of the petty nonsense, and you start to realize what actually matters is like, yeah, support, reciprocity, someone that shows up for you when you're in your fucking low times, not someone that's going to ignore your phone call for nine hours because it's too much for them to handle. Like, please. no, I totally agree, and I, you can you can parallel that to a business partner. I feel like my marriage has made me a better business partner. Because I've learned that, okay, you bring this to the table, but how do we handle conflict together? 100%. How emotionally, how do you communicate? Like those, those the same things that I look for in a relationship are the t- type of people that I'm going to give money to as well. 100%. I tell people every time, I'm like, if you want to get a business partner, I'm like, you're in a relationship. That's a marriage. Just as equally. When you sign that fucking paper, and I know because I bought my business partner out, and I still like him as a human, but he's a terrible partner. And it's like, I'm stoked. And now I have somebody new who is unbelievable. And like, we have our issues and he's super calm and we can talk it out. He's the nice guy. He's the nice guy of the business world. Because you realize like, yeah, if you're going to own a business, it's a relationship. You're talking to them a lot more half the time than you're talking to your own fucking spouse. And you have a lot on the line. You have your livelihood, you have your name, you have your reputation, you have your product, you have everything that you put, you have all this time and energy and resources that you're cultivating a relationship. And when I see people getting into a business partnership quick, I'm like, wait, wait, wait you know this person for like three weeks and you're already mm-hmm. signing, you're putting money into an account to get. 
Okay. Well, how did you vet how, with the relationship you're in for people that are watching? Here's a, here's a tidbit of value you can take. How did you, what were the healthy signs that you found and you were like, this could work? So I'm Jewish and I kind of equate it to when people want to be Jewish. He knocked on my door like 30 times and I kept saying no and he kept coming back. And so that's what happens when you try to convert is that they continuously say no to you until you finally show them that you want it. And it wasn't a game. It was that my current partner, Stu, was a, he was a client of mine. He was a buyer of a huge company. From the second we met in 2019, he believed in me. He believed in the product. He believed in us. He took us in. And the only reason we stopped working with him is because he got promoted and, you know, it was a change of regime. And that was just the end of that relationship. And over COVID, he would always check in on me. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on? Hey, how's the business? I really believe in it. And then it started where last, I think it was like end of COVID, like, like the end of the lockdowns, like, you know, November time. Where he was like, you know, hey, I'm kind of looking to do something else. Like, here are my skill sets. Are you open to it? And I kept being like, nope, nope, no, and just kept saying no. And he'd be like, hey, whenever you're ready. And it wasn't until I was because when I bought my business partner out, you don't realize how much you need two people, or even three, or maybe even four, to run a business. Like being a solo entrepreneur of a product-based business, like it is fucking hell on earth. Mom can attest to it as she has been there through all of the inventories and all of the breakdowns and all of my old apartment in Brooklyn. I had a second floor because I was very lucky and it was my distribution center and I had 115 boxes and three racks and it was insane and we were shipping wholesale orders and I was going to USPS every day like it was hell on earth plus tie-dyeing everything myself and she would hang up all the stuff to dry like you doing it yourself is a nightmare. And so, but I wanted to experience that because I believe as a business owner, if you don't do every, and I'm sure you can relate, if you don't do every single job yourself, you don't know how to hire effectively. You don't know what skill sets. And then on top of it, when someone fucks up, you can go to them and be like, hey man, I did this job. I know that it doesn't take three hours to write one email. So you charged me for all this when I did it myself and it took me nine minutes actually. So you're able to come with more confidence and backing as opposed to some people that have a ton of money and throw it into a product and go, Bleh. So when it came to vetting for a business partner, I wanted to see how much I could do by myself, how far I could take that and where I needed the help. So then when I was seeking somebody, when we were discussing things, his skill set of inventory and planning and all of the wholesale, that whole back end, because he was a buyer, that's what he does is, is figure out what you need. That was one of the biggest things I needed help with because that's how you can lose a lot of money in a business that's product-based. You make the wrong stuff. Well, you don't sell it. Good luck. You're not making any more. Mm -hmm. So that was how I was able to vet him was really making sure one, how many conversations did we have that were amicable, that we were able to talk things through. I gave it time before we signed up the dotted line. I did everything myself. And I truly, cause I had like, probably at this point, I've had like 30 people, like big brands like Parachute and I forgot the name of the other, like offer to buy us, wanting to invest and things like that. I've said no, because they, our visions don't align. And so it's really important when you have a brand, especially if you've already founded something or you like have something that you really believe in, like us made in America and sustainability and the quality, every person that has come to us said that they want to move to China and into the conversation. I didn't ever entertain it. Even if you could promise me the moon, the stars and the sun, but that take, then I'd rather sell it and be done with it. I'm not ready to do that. So I think when you're looking for a new partner, it's super important to maintain and ensure that you guys have the same visions, the same ethos, the same wants and needs in a life kind of the same thing you do in a relationship the exact the exact same thing you do and i i want to touch on something you said that was so important and that was doing everything yourself and i i bring it back to when i first started and i i've said this in so many other episodes when i first started i did so much more wrong than i did right i didn't oh, yeah. too much i overcompensated i spent way too much money on 
a wasted time. Money and time are the same thing. And in the beginning, you think you have more time, but you don't. And you start doing stupid shit. And one thing I've learned that's really helped me, and I hope that if you're watching this and you're earlier in your, your stage of entrepreneurship, whatever the fuck it is, you understand that um, you're one client away. You are one relationship away. You are one wholesaler away from losing everything. Mm -hmm. One review away. And the sooner you learn to have a philosophy and fucking live and die by that philosophy, even if it means making less money for more time or taking longer to make more money, I believe in my heart of hearts. And this is why you do something you're passionate about because nobody likes making less money than the other person that's posting on Instagram is doing the same shit. You will succeed and longevity will be in your corner. Like, I, I believe that. I did not do that for the first two years. I ate whatever I could kill. And now I'm stuck with those fucking people and they won't fucking leave. And that's hard. It's hard to rebrand. Yeah. Oh, right? I mean, dude, I, I, I think in my philosophy, it's like, if you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. And it's like, I could very easily like my mom experiences it with me. She's been so integral. Like she's even here helping me because guess who has to do inventory this week? Yay. Yeah, both of us. Um, we've got 3000 <laughs> units to count and organize because at the end of the day, it's like, I just, you know, one, it's like, it's good, good help is hard to find. We all know that it's hard to find people there. No one's going to care about your business as much as you do. So like first, mm -hmm. everyone needs to Ever. fucking understand that. No one, I don't care on the planet is going to care it. as much as you do. Exactly. exactly. You got to just, that's what it is and that you will become a better boss if you finally fucking understand that because so many bosses i would have would expect me to care about it as much as they are and i'm like man i'm not making the money i'm making my fucking salary i don't i go home at the end of the day but i think at least like with us we're in, i'm in and I, I can speak for software it's a very oversaturated market oh no one's heard of that leisure before like everyone and their mother is trying to do it everybody is trying to stand out it's the same with like it's the same type of thing that you were saying it's like everybody's trying to be the loudest in the room and I remember my, my first partner, he said some little tidbits that were amazing. And I remember because I was getting, I was the same as you. When I first started, oh my God, I would take any client that walked in, even if they wanted two pieces, I would take it. Cause I was like, I just got to get the product out. And I didn't, I, I didn't have really any like backbone to say no. And I remember there was a client that they didn't like the fit. And I went back to my partner at the time and I was bitching and moaning, oh, we need to change it. And I remember he said, he's like, you need to have fucking confidence in the product that you make and understand you are not going to please everybody because there's nothing on the planet. You can't even say fucking pizza will please everyone because someone's going to come in and say, well, I'm gluten free. And I, there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like what you say. I learned that by being on TikTok as well, that like people are very opinionated and they will tell you how they feel. And if you just have the confidence and you stand by it, yeah, you're going to weed out a lot of people, but then you're also going to get a really great army of people that believe in what you're doing and they believe in the product. And I remember he said, if you put our hoodie on a rack and you took all the tags off, you took the Nike shit, you took everything off and you had every brand, are you confident that ours would stick out? And I was like, I am. And he was like, great, then we're doing the right thing. And that's what I've lived by. And instead of this year from, you know, yay inflation, our prices went up 40%. First thing people ask, oh, okay, well then you can do a different fabric. No, no, we're gonna stick to what we're doing. We're gonna adjust our pricing and we're gonna adjust to the economy that we're in, but we're not gonna give up on that. Could I make more margin? Yeah, yeah, I could, I could make more money. Do I want to? One day, but not at the expense of my identity and what I believe in. No, I, and that's, that's real. But I think that if people took less time to get there, yeah. And I know that's easier said than done. Everyone's insecure when they're trying something new. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. 
But that, when I look back at the last eight years, and th that's what I despise the most about my journey, is me going on a Saturday at 12 o'clock to the mall to meet someone because they don't want to come to the office, but they don't want me to come to their house, and then yeah. sitting with them for an hour and a half, and then they don't even become a client. Like, yeah. just learning how to say no. I mean, it sounds so simple, but I've seen so many businesses sell their soul because they can't say no. So many clients. 100%. Oh so yeah, I mean, say so, yeah. I've given so how? much free stuff. It's like, oh, as a, what? yeah, you didn't have to send me anything free. When you said that, I was like, God damn it. We're gonna talk about saying no and raising our prices. This bitch just sent me a whole set. Yeah, yeah well, but we're selective about it because then that, that's you live and learn. You do it for the right fucking people, the people that appreciate what you're doing. And that's my way of being like, you know what? Fine, the first one's on me. You want any more, it's on you then. I got it. I'll get more. This is definitely, I mean, there's only so much fucking Lululemon a girl can own and everyone has it and I'm over it. Yeah. My God. So over that brand. Okay. So how far from surgery, meltdown, did you <laughs> actually take the steps to starting this? And so starting, so when did was software born? How was it born? So, okay. So interestingly enough, so when mom was, okay, let's backtrack. So May 20, it was right after my birthday. May 2017, mom got the, the the news of what happened. And so I rushed down, like I had my birthday and I like went right down to Florida. I stayed with her June, July, August, and September, pretty much, all, pretty much like all of that. And then in October, I was there like for a long time. I think I came home in October because I moved to Brooklyn. In that time, again, never, never thought I was gonna own a business. I just thought this whole time that I was gonna work for another brand. So I applied to every job under the sun and I was just using my savings and I had got like, I, I just was trying to figure this out. I came out to LA thinking I was going to move to LA in August. It was like, no, it's not for me yet. And I went back to New York. And at that time, the only job I could get was this one company. I won't say the name, but it was this one athleisure company. And it was insanely overpriced. It was like $300 for a jacket, like super expensive. And I was like, fuck it, I'll take lemon. it. <laughs> You're like, hmm. Um, no, they're no longer in business and I will explain what happened. But anywho, so I got the job with them and I was just there. I was going to handle all their sales for the United States. And at this time I had no client book. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Not in the active industry. I had like high-end designer and I hit the fucking pavement and I busted my ass and I opened like 30 new accounts in a month. Like I was going hard. And that's when I started to realize like, I really love building a community. I would go and see all the founders and doing all these events. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, I want to do that. I want to have the cool events. Like I want to be, you know, making these amazing connections with people, but I was just a sales rep. Nobody really gave a shit about me. And I had given her a bunch of the samples from the company. And I remember she was like, yeah, they're really comfy, but they fucking shed like crazy. Like you would say hi and it would confetti out. And like, to the point where like my friend's boss told her she wasn't allowed to wear it anymore. Cause she was like, dude, I left a trail all over their house. Like it was that bad. And so I remember, and my mom was like, but it just makes me feel so comfortable. But she hated so many things about like, why does it have a zipper on the side? Like who designed that? Why is there like a cutout in the arm? You're just like, who the fuck are you making this for? And at that time I had just signed a brand new lease at this big apartment in Brooklyn that I could only afford because of this job. I had moved in and I'm thinking like new lease on life. Yay, got this amazing new job. Mom's gonna be okay. She's gonna have her surgery, everything will be fine. Bloop, bloop. And then all of a sudden she embezzled the money, closed the company. And within like three weeks, all my checks bounced. And she was like, sorry. And she closed, that was it. Her investor called me in and was like, I want to keep this company alive. So I consulted with my sister and my sister had been in the fitness industry for fucking ever. And I was like, what is missing? And she was like, what's missing is like true basics. Like 
I had a lot of clients too being like, why can't I just get a pair of black pants? Who just makes a pair of black pants without this gaudy drawstring or the mesh or the stars or fucking $300 for something made locally? Like there, nobody was doing a high quality piece at a decently affordable price, all things considered that it's made in LA or at the time we made in Brooklyn. And that's when I had that like light bulb go off. So I conceptualized software thinking that this guy, this guy was just gonna pay me a salary and it would be software by her company name. And that was gonna be it. Two weeks later, they call me in saying, you know what, never mind. We don't wanna, we don't, I put enough money into this. And I was like, all right. And so at the time, my friend, a good friend of mine, Lindsay, she was an HGTV producer. And she said, listen, I've started tons of shows and my brother is a manufacturer. He invests in these companies and creates product for them. You guys should have a meeting. Maybe he can invest in this company. I showed him my pitch deck. I explained to him everything that was going on. And he was like, why don't we just do it? Like I can do the back end, you do the front end. And I was like, Hey, fuck that. I'm not a business owner. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any money. He was like, I'll put the money in. Like I'll put, I'll put the seed money in. Let's do it. No, no, no. And then I remember I was telling mom and she, we were just kind of like, yeah, we'll see maybe down the road. And then she went in for her final surgery. And when I literally, when I got that photo of her in the hospital bed, I texted him and I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And the next day we started the LLC and we just went for it. Like, I didn't even think about it. I just was like, let's go. And then that just snowballed into like getting samples made. And my ex at the time was a men's health editor. So he helped us with the men's. My sister came for all the fittings for the women. I really honed in on the brand. And then we started sales and we didn't hit the market. That was November, 2017 that mom had that. We didn't hit the market until November, 2018. Cause it took me nine months to figure out the fabric issue. Which is fair. That's, that's no, yeah. you need time guys. Like yes. you, it takes time to invest something like invent something that's worth selling. So I think a lot of people just like they hit up Alibaba and they're like two yeah. months, let's go. Like true. that's a, that's an acceptable amount of time. Nine months, yeah. like oh, nine months to figure out that. And then, you know, we had to get into production and then we had to do everything. So it took us a solid year. I think it took us like nine months to fulfill, to start doing wholesale. And then by the time we got the website going and everything, it was a year. And yeah, it, it, totally. I, I agree with you. Like I, I wasn't trying to rush it any sooner, like maybe a month. It was like, okay, let's go. But I knew that it was going to take time. If I was trying to change the way basics were made and I was trying to do something different than was on the market, I mean, you have to create something that's different than what's on the market. And so it took me, what, it took us like nine months, yeah, to, to do the fabric and find the right mill and to find the right, it's a family-owned fabric uh, manufacturer here in LA. I work super close with her. We come up with things all the time. And it was like, I think we had 47 fittings also to create the perfect and to this day, it's now been five years, so four years since I launched the product. We just had our anniversary a couple of days ago, um, or tomorrow will be, thank That's you. Awesome. But it took me, to this day, I'm still perfecting the yeah. same fucking styles. Still, I'm still making sure that I'm like- That's gonna change. Just, You're yeah, gonna do that like, the rest of your time. 100%, like it's always <laughs> gonna be an evolution. There's always gonna be ways because you also take consumer feedback. There's a difference between one person saying they don't like it and being like, yeah, whatever, and then 75 clients all yes. giving you the same feedback that you're oh like, Oh my God. Yes. That is such a good point. You criticism, ask for criticism. Yeah, I just started doing that in the last probably 18 months is I created, I finally created a survey and was like, tell me where I could be better. And I was so scared of that, but that yeah. is so crucial. That is so crucial to having a successful business. It not only just sending out the survey, but then actually reading it. Yeah, is listening yes. to the feedback. Good point. Like, 
because a lot of people are scared. You feel, oh, it's negative. I don't want to hear an attack. And I'm like, listen, I don't want you to make fun of me. Like, I don't want you to put me down. Like, you don't need to be mean about it. But like yeah. I said, you know, when it depends too. Like if someone says, oh, the price is too high, you're like, okay, well, I'm sorry, but that's it. It is what it is. Like, there's nothing I can really do about that. We've costed it out. Like, welcome yeah, no. to, welcome to Made in America. But like, we had the same thing where- Exactly. We had like literally everyone and their mother was complaining about the pocket size in the pants. So we changed the pocket size. Great. Men's joggers. We're going to add a drawstring in for 2023 because for four years now, guys have been asking for a drawstring. We sold them well, but we think we're selling them better. So we, we listened to the feedback and I learned that because ironically, we poo-poo on Lululemon, but that was my first job when I was 19 and I moved to New York. I worked at the store. They were better then. Exactly. hundred percent. That was when he, the owner still owned it. You know, like it was the better yeah, product. They were better then. But I learned so much from his process and I look, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to look at companies like Adidas and Nike. They've been around for so long. They're institutionalized. It's hard to really learn from brands like that. And it's also hard to learn from brands that just have, you know, half a million or $500 million and they're throwing product down your throat. It's like, you're not really necessarily learning from them. But I learned from Chip Wilson of, he made one product and perfected it, the groove pant, until it became a multi-million dollar business. And then he added SKUs. He didn't have 7,000 offerings because you're going to lose your shirt by doing that. And secondly, wow. he had a feedback board and we took feedback and we would send it to corporate and they would literally make new iterations saying we got a certain amount of feedback on this product. So we made it. And they would test, they would test and then invest, which is my favorite Matthew Hussey quote, but it's like they would put a little and Ooh, if it works good, yeah, then they would, they would invest more into it. And I kind of live by that now where, like I said, just because one person says, well, this is too tight. Okay. Well then you don't understand our fit. We're a more tailored fit and that's not what you want. But if everybody is saying, oh, the shirt's riding up in the back, like my brother's famous saying is if everyone calls you an asshole, you got to turn around and see you have a tail. Like, so it's like, if, if everyone's saying the same thing, you got to put your ego aside and also learn, like, you're not making a brand for you. You're making a brand for whoever's going to fucking pay for it. With that being said, and Helen, this is about to be inappropriate. So you might want to cover your ears. I got a fat yeah. hoo-ha. Can you make a <laughs> pant without a seam in the front? Like nobody wants a camel toe. Like why is everyone not offering those? So funny you should say that. I worked for a company and their slogan was say no to the toe. They had a pant that didn't have that. Now let me tell you what the problem was. You looked like a fucking Ken doll. You looked like you had no anatomy. It was, it was phallic. It would, did not look right. And also there's also a thing of just like manufacturing, like the harder, the more we, in, at least for in America, the machines that they have are still pretty basic, unfortunately. And that's why a lot of oh, people wow. opt for China because China just has so much more advanced technology because this is what they do. And they also fuck you with pricing and charge. They like, if I told you how much here, I'll give you a thing. How much does it cost Nike to make a t-shirt printed with like all their stuff on it? How much do you think? In China? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to say 30 cents, six cents. Oh my God. Six cents. Yeah. So that's when you're like, how can you even give like humane? That's why like Sheehan just got like fucking thrown under the bus because they, people are like looking and these employees are treated so terribly. Like it's so inhumane. It's insane. But for, I mean, how do you think you can buy something for a penny? Like it doesn't happen. So yeah, I mean, there's just like, there's also certain things oh that within God, our confines, yeah, and then it's like, then you start adding on things of like minimums and it starts to add up and it's not until you're in production that you start to understand why you can't do more. Like, I'd love to be able to be like, oh, I can make that for you. But it's like, realistically, I actually don't think I could. Yeah, oh my God, that, I'm gonna remember that the rest of my life, that fun fact. <laughs> if you 
could go back and give yourself advice five years ago, what would you say? There's a couple of things. I think I would tell myself, like, learn to crawl before you walk. Like, don't try to fucking force it. Like we've talked about, don't try to push, don't try to fit a circle in a square peg. Like your time is going to come, do the hard work, learn your lessons. And it's, I, and also like my dad has, I mean, growing up, he would always say this, listen, then learn. And he would always drill that into my every boss. He would be like, shut your mouth and listen. Because when you shut your mouth and you stop the chatter and you listen to what's going on, you learn a lot more than when you're because you start to look at what everybody else is doing and you're like, huh, I see the holes here. So I think I would tell myself just like to fucking chill. It's like, it's going to come, it's going to happen. You're putting yourself through so much more anxiety than you need to be because it's all going to work out as it should. And I also say this to myself for my future me, like this is also a gentle reminder for what's to come. Um, and just also like, you got to believe in yourself and your product. Like you're going to go through some really hard times and like, you're going to be tested along the way. And if you lose your shit, like I used to on every, like a fucking button would break off and I'd lose my marbles. And now I laugh at that because it's like the, it's, it's just not worth it at the end of the day. Like we, we have such a short time here and you, you really have to enjoy the process while you're having it. Cause I know friends that had massive companies that sold it for a hundred million dollars and they are now in an identity crisis cause they don't know who they are. And when you ask them like, Hey dude, would you go back? They're like, I miss more than anything being in my fucking shitty ass mm. apartment, busting my ass, working hard because it was mine. And I lost all that. You add zeros to your problems. That's all you're doing. So it looks glorious to have the da, 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 but it's like, the, it's, it's like the, the lonely man in the tower. It's not that glamorous once you get there. So enjoy that step over along the way because you're not going to get it back. The process. Yeah. I, I'm in one of those seasons right now where I'm just taking it every five minutes. Yeah. My husband lives in Houston. I got a three and a two year old. I own a business. I have a book. Oh it's just like constant, constant. Yeah. And everyone's always checking in on me being like, Hey, like, how are you doing? And I'm like, you know, not well, but I know that in maybe five, maybe 10, maybe 15 years, I'm going to look back at this. I'm going to miss this. 100%. I, I know I'm going to miss it. And, and another thing that I really think is important for, and I, I've actually gotten this question a few times from on different episodes, totally unrelated. And people asked me, how often do you not know what you're doing? Oh, I would say probably 70% of the time yeah. I'm just trying to figure out each and that is okay. I think that you'll find people way more successful than me and you that still don't know what the fuck they are doing. What advice 100%. would you give to people that are not taking the next step because they have no idea what the fuck they're doing? Oh God, it's called imposter syndrome. And boy, do I, I mean, I embody it. How many, I can't tell you how many times I've called her and been like, I can't fucking do this. I'm done. I can't do it. And every time Helen does the same thing. Okay. You know what? Fine. We'll liquidate everything, Sabrina. You can go get a job. And I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It fucking works. Because what I, job, I think, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I think the, the best advice for that is like, I, and I hear this all the time of people that I'm not ready to start my company. I'm not ready. And I'm like, cool. You're just, the more no excuses you I get that all the time. I have so many friends. I'm like, I want to strangle you. What do you mean? Like maybe next like, year when like this calms down, I'm like, there's always going to be something. Always. It's like, it's the same. It's a, a, a peril. It's the same with date. Oh, I can't be in a relationship. I'm not ready. And it's like, you're never fucking ready. You're never truly ready to take that step to be an entrepreneur. And honestly, I was guilty of that too. I wish I had a better answer as to what that aha moment was. I truly don't remember 
after I got the photo of her, what prompted me to text my partner and say, fuck it, let's go. I think it was because, now nah, I know what it was. Now nah, I'm fucking my trying to kid. What it was so was short. that and the thought of going back to the insanity and the misery that I was in prior and having mom survive all of this to hear me bitch about more bosses that I fucking hated and doing something I wasn't happy with and not be all of that. I couldn't allow myself to live another day in that space. And I remember there's a Jim Carrey quote that I love and he says, depression is when the character that you are playing is sick and tired of being that avatar. And that's how I felt. I was in such a depression because I was sick and tired of being this version of myself that wasn't me. And now I've come out of the person that I am and I'm very unapologetically who the fuck I am and you either like it or you don't. And that sounds like a personal problem of yours because at the end of the day, if you listen, you want to be the definition of insanity and you want to keep going to your nine to five that makes you miserable, you do you boo that shut the fuck up and stop telling every one of your friends how miserable you are because no one has sympathy for people that don't take actionable steps. So unless you try it and if you fail, there's no such thing. It's called learning. You didn't fail. You try again. You get up, you dust the knees. I have had so many fucking failures in software. And every time I look at it as well, we still are here, right? So that means we have another day that we can try something different. It's not a failure. It's just, uh, we just need to veer a little bit to the left. And I think if you reframe and you also just believe in yourself, which is so cheesy, but it's so true, so true. because no one's going to buy it from you. If you don't believe in what you're selling, who the fuck is going to believe you? And I could sit here and sell you this, the, 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 I could sell ice to an Eskimo. Like I was, I was good at that. I learned how to do that, but I needed to sell myself on it too, that I could do it. And then I wasn't until I've been doing it. And how many times I tell her I can't that once I started doing it, I was like, oh shit. You can't, you're proving yourself wrong. You're pu you're taking all of that negative chatter and all of that self-talk. And instead of proving it right and being like, well, here it is. See, I told you I couldn't do it. And then you just reinstate that core belief. You're challenging the thought and going, no, mm -hmm. shut that screw tape off. Not doesn't, it doesn't apply anymore. I can do it. And you change that core belief. Thus you change and you grow and you become a better version of yourself. So if you're sitting here and mulling it over by the end of this conversation, if you're still unsure, like Mel Robbins says, five, four, three, two, one, get the fuck up and do something. Do a step. You can't, the, Rome wasn't built in a day. I didn't build this company in one day. It took me a solid year, but every day I took steps towards it. And if you look at the macro, it's fucking terrifying. If you look at the micro and realize it's just one step above, do one piece of paperwork today that gets you a step closer. And then you start to build the confidence. Yeah. And I think that, I think one thing we're not, we're not touching enough on is some people have more maybe it's from trauma, maybe it's from your childhood. Some people have more negative self-talk than others. And I would say one actionable step that those people can do is network. There's yes. too many people that come in my inbox or get on an intro call or come in my office that are like, well, you know, I just don't know people that do that. Or I just, I, you know, I don't, I don't know who to talk to. Join your chamber, get on Facebook, get on Clubhouse, get on Twitter, go through some hashtags. I mean, get out and meet people. You were dropped, like dropping some pretty awesome relationships earlier, like people that worked at HDTV. Those are relationships that you had to go out and you had to water, yeah. you had to invest in. Oh. Put yourself in places where people are smarter than you, more successful mm -hmm. than you. And yeah, you might look fucking stupid at that luncheon. You only have to have one meaningful conversation. Yeah. If there's 50 people in the room, have one conversation where someone's gonna remember your fucking face. Just have yeah. one. Do the work to make those relationships. I, You're right, I don't feel bad for people who are just trampled, they're frozen with fear and they to take those next steps, but your network is so important. And 
owning a business, if, even if you're not great at sales, you don't have to be great at sales to make a friend. Oh, you can I mean, have... I, dude, I, if I told you, I've never, I, I think we just now paid for our first model this season because I networked the fuck out of myself. Hey, we need a model. You start asking people. You won't know until you ask. It's like when you're looking for an apartment, then you start putting it out there and all of a sudden people have apartments for you. Well, if you didn't ask, you wouldn't know. And I harness, like you said, very great. You have to water those connections. And I've had so many people be like, I just don't get it. I don't like have any friends here. I'm like, yeah, cause you don't fucking try. You're not reaching out to people. You're not asking how they're doing. You're not asking for that coffee. You're not saying, let's go out and get a brunch. You're not doing anything. And you know what? You find me annoying, that's great. I don't really care. But what matters is at least I tried. So if I got you at that coffee, nothing comes out of it. That's okay. I tried though. It's better than me not having gone to that coffee with you. And so I like, I mean, I knew nobody. I knew nobody when I started this brand. Let me like reemphasize that. My ex was the men's health editor. He had a few contacts, but even him, like he was very secluded as a human. Everything I have built, all of this is by, same with our last event. Everyone's like, how did you get, how did you get all these amazing brands here? I'm like, I fucking reached out, dude. I tried. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised how few people actually message and reach out. I was just, I was just gonna say that. Uh, Cause you, you touched on your ex and how he, he with men's health. I, I would say, and you, I hope you agree with me. I wasn't gonna sound like an idiot. More, more people that I don't fucking know, like my shit, share my shit, have become oh, yeah. clients. Very few actual friends, family members are the ones buying my shit. I mean, I love you mom and dad, but they didn't become <laughs> clients until I started making money and like show them that I could actually do it. Like the people in my inner circle didn't show support until strangers showed support. Stop trying to get the approval of the people that are already here. Go out and you can still keep those friends, but you need to, I have my best friends from high school that have transgressed the boundaries. Then I have my superficial friendships that I still love, but their purpose is not, I mean, how do you say it politically correct? They're, they're my friends here. And then I have my professional relationships that I are still my friends that are supporting me. They're checking in on me. And stop being fucking scared to text people first. Oh, when did that? You will never be successful if you're like, oh, well, I texted her first the last three conversations and now I'm not gonna, I'm gonna wait until she falls. What is that? You gotta put your shame aside. Because it's this fear of rejection. Everything is stems from this. It's all, and it, like, listen, here's my also great piece of advice for people. If you have crippling anxiety, you have all these traumas, go to fucking therapy. Like, you're not going to be able to move on in Marijuana. That, well, yeah, that too. But like, you're not going to be able to, like, I wasn't until I started therapy that I was able to break through so many things. And I think honestly, that started after my breakup in 2018. I've become a different fucking person, a different business owner. I am a different version of myself and I'm such a healthier and better and I have so much more to go and I'm so excited about where I have to go. And it's because like, yeah, you put your shame aside. I don't give a fuck if you don't like that I'm texting you asking for a favor. Guess what, you don't need to answer. But I can't tell you how many people, like you said, how many people, oh my God, like my friend texted me the other day, I need that set. And I was like, great, so it's called wearsoftware.com. You can go and you can add it to cart. Um, and then she'll, but then she'll come over and be like, I just bought like a thousand dollars from this other brand. And I'm like, oh, you mean my competitor? So you have the right. money. You just choose to spend it on them. And it's like, that's cool. That doesn't mean I'm not her friend. That just means like, like you said, I'm like, you move different. You move different. We, we, we are going, we're navigating. Whereas I have some friends that they never ask for a discount. They always go to the website and they'll pay for shipping on top of it, even though it's free shipping. Cause they're like, Hey man, 
I get it. Like you need the support. I love your product. I'm going to buy it. And I've implemented that now. I don't do, I'm just like, Hey man, you can wait until we have a sale. But the number one thing I say is I'm like, I'm sorry, we just don't have the inventory, which isn't a lie. We really like don't have a lot of extra, mm-hmm. but unless you've done me a solid, like if you model for me, you get a set. If we're doing something, we're working together, you get a set. Like I have that allocated. I'm done just giving it out to those people. Cause they're not your fucking friends. The friends that you have are the ones that really want to watch you succeed and are going to aid in that yes. weather. And it doesn't always yes. have to be, it doesn't always have to be fiscal. I have friends that are like, hey, I'll model for you or I'll help you with like an email or, hey, do you need me to take a look at this? They might not have the money Even to sharing buy. something. Sharing exactly. something on social media. That's free promo. Like I I try to, like that means so much to me when people share content and I try to do that as much as I possibly yeah. can for people I'm following because for small businesses, that is key. Do you know Nobody how expensive understands. marketing is? Do you know how expensive it. marketing is? That's it, like the biggest me- part of a business's budget. It drives me insane, like some of these influencer friends that I have where I'm like, really, bitch, really? You won't even fucking do a story. Like you have 500,000 <laughs> followers and a blue check mark. And I'm like, is a story really gonna, what, what is that doing for you? You know, it takes you 10 seconds to do it. We all know how this works. And that's when you just realize you're like, you know what? That's cool. Again, I'm just gonna distance a little bit. But the, re- the, the impact that it has in a small business, like I literally, spoiler alert, like here's my shipping station. Here's all my stuff. Like for people that don't understand what it means to be a small business, like it's a small business. Like I have hands on everything. I still, I still handwrite my thank you cards because I want to be part of this brand and I really want to give something back. So I think it's like tap into your network, create your network, but don't force creating a network. I have a friend that does that. He'll go to networking events to meet people. And I'm like, don't force this shit, dude. No, like be authentic about it. But two. One they can two. smell it. They can smell when you're like, nah, yeah. this guy's inauthentic. You know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> she hates it. She doesn't like it. But because, Helen. you know, Eve, Helen, mom has so many nuggets and she didn't really get to give a lot of her nugget advice. But, well, I think you the interject. No, no, I just, because I'm listening to both, you both are very, you know, intuitive about things. Uh, I believe it's very simple. I said to her, you're not a nine to five person. There are some people that are that, that, that can work nine to five. They want the security, they want the comfort of that, and they're very happy, and that's fine. But Sabrina's not one of those, and that's why it never could work. She would out, you know, she would outdo all of her bosses, and nobody likes to be out outsmarted or outshine. Exactly. In other words, you shine being on top. You're the, the leader, the person that it, you, you do your own thing. And you can't do, you can't work for someone else. And there's nothing wrong with that. But as long as you know what your what your needs are. And not everybody, not everybody can be an entrepreneur. Not everybody no. can be head of anything. And, and working for someone is just as important. But if you know where you fit, then you then you'll have the confidence to because there's no other way to go there. That's why for her, I know her. She can she, she can complain all she wants, but when I tell her, forget a nine to five, because I know that's going to get her going. That's removing the plug. That's it. Put it right back in there again. Because yeah, I know she's going to do it. No, I mean, wrong you, with that. I feel like we would be dangerous if we live closer to each other. Like, that's kind of... I would love it. If you're ever out <laughs> I mean, in LA, yeah. you have to tell me. I actually have a few clients out there, so I'm out there at least twice a year. Which I'll have to well, hit you up now. Yeah. But dangerous in the best way possible. Dangerous. Dangerous in a sexy way. Sexy way. Can people reach out to you and ask for advice? Oh my God, please. Here's a spoiler alert. 
any way you reach out to me, it's going to come to me. So if you email into the website, you DM on the Instagram, you DM me, like anybody is welcome to. Um, I love helping people. I am more than happy. I can't give you a magic trick. I can't, I can't solve your problems for you. So let's just preface that, but please do. It's Wear Software, W-E-A-R, Soft, W-E-A-R, Sabrina.Zohar, Wearsoftware.com. Any email, any way that you want to reach me, please do. I absolutely love helping others because if I can give you anything that I've learned, it's kind of a win for me because other people have done that to me. It's just really the gift of, you know, we keep on giving. Keep on giving. Thank you so much. This is one of my favorite episodes in a really long time. And I'm not just saying that. I don't say that every episode. This was fun. And I haven't had a twofer in a while. Thank you Helen, for popping in. Well, no, thank you so much. I, any, anytime. Kelly made her debut, her podcast debut. Woo woo. Big H, and your hair looks gorgeous. How long did it take that to grow back? They didn't have to shave your head, did they? Well, no, but I'm gonna tell you something, and most people are gonna think I'm crazy. I had about maybe 10 times this amount of hair. I've lost a lot since then, because what happens is, um, one of the episodes where they did the angiogram, they had put these um, these uh, needles in my head, because it's you know necessary to see how I was doing. And afterwards, when I came out, I had bled so much, my hair became a block of cement. Yeah, yeah. And after that, I think that the uh, the scalp was, it was traumatized. So it's like, I've had a lot of hair loss, but I know that I sound like- She had so much hair. hair? That's yeah, her she hair, had so, right? That's this her hair. my hair, but I had much more. She had so much hair that when she came from the airport once, they checked her hair because they thought that she was hiding something in it. They like went in, she was like, she had it down to here. It was too heavy for her. She had to cut it because it was just like weighing her down. But yeah, the angiogram, they put like thousands of needles in her head. And so I remember my sister washing it out and it was just like cake, just blood caked oh. in through and ever since. But like, yeah, no, she's fine. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, whether, you know, I I, I just take it up. What, what am I supposed to do? There's nothing we can do about it. But, uh, <laughs> it looks fucking fabulous. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I know, and when people ask me, and, and my sister used to say to me, you, you look ridiculous. You're, <laughs> you're telling people you're losing your hair, but, but, but you have to have known me to understand what I'm saying, you know? So in answer to Can your we get a picture? Can you send in a picture of her big hair and we'll just I will try I am sure I have something. It was insane. Like to the point where I was like, I don't even know if that's legal. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> you could have smuggled in some major game. Some major Yeah, work. that's why they literally checked her. She I remember she was like, What is going on? And they just put their hands in her head. I don't know what she thought that I was hiding in there. All right. Listen. Going. I can think of some stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, can think of some stuff. I can. Thank you, ladies. I am going to hit you up offline because you were just so awesome and I really appreciate you. We're going to tag you and everything. Have a good night. I'm going to bed. It's 10 p.m. here. Take care. Bye-bye. Sweet dreams.